clap clap I only recently knew what that was for. I just thought people were just being a bit showy and just going, <laughs> but I didn't realise it actually served a purpose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't get taught this at school, do you? Yeah, <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Big No Podcast. My name is Pamela Cooley, And again, I've got an exceptional guest. We are going to be talking about bullying today. Now, as a parent who has got three children and someone who was bullied herself at high school, this is something that I'm super passionate about eradicating. But it's a big topic. And I'm going to speak to an expert today, expert who has got loads of experience about this, an incredible guy who's given people who are being bullied a voice and encouraging them to pursue their dreams and aspirations and knowing that they are supported and loved. I've got an incredible guy. His name is Alex Holmes. Welcome, Alex, to the Big No Podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, at the time of this recording... We have seen some horrendous forms of bullying around social media where a young black girl was racially bullied outside her school gates by not only children, but also by adults, while bypassers just blatantly stood there and did nothing, as well as the teachers. You've probably seen the video. Now, for me, I literally saw about 20 seconds of it, and that was enough of a trigger for me. Mm. Um, Like I said, I was racially, physically, and emotionally bullied at school, so... I had flashbacks. I started to think, I can't believe that I'm witnessing this. And the thing that really shocked me more than anything was just how there were adults there, um, adults even encouraging the bullies to Mm -hmm. keep, you know, physically Mm -hmm. hurting this girl. There was teachers there. It was on the school gates, outside the school. And as a parent, I'm like, I want my children to feel safe at school. What are your thoughts about this? Mm. What are your feelings about this? In one way, social media is incredibly useful because it shines a light on what we know are the experiences of particular uh, black children and young people mm-hmm. you know, across the country. But on the other hand, like you said, there is a lot of trauma um, mm. attached to, to the black community, particularly when these incidents go viral. Mm. And for many of us, we have no choice but to see those. And, yep. and I think that's sad that often like um, for the black community, there's a lot of pain and fight for freedom sort of attached to you know our, our experiences so it was it was upsetting to see that yeah. we know at the Dan award that sadly that is um reality mm. for children and young people and they do faced they do face school violence in and outside of school but particularly within a school setting and that's incredibly sad when you mm. think we we spend as children 11,000 hours of our life at school mm. and um, to have those experiences when you're made to feel upset and safe uncomfortable and, 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 you're, and you're bullied and it's racism is, is, is awful so very sad to see I hope the school's addressing it we've actually reached out to them to oh, have you yeah offer, offer I'm sure we're one of many um, interactions that they've had yeah. um, you know recently as a result of that but uh, you know, we'd love, love to help them change the culture, really, and, and send a really powerful message that this wasn't acceptable and that actually students can be part of the solution. I want to start at the beginning and how you kind of got involved in the whole, mm. um, you know, anti-bullying ambassador, the charity, because I know it's from lived-in personal experiences. Yeah, yeah. So if you could give us a little um, background mm-hmm. into why it all started. Yeah, I think for me, uh, so I grew up in um, Milton Keynes and... Um, some people will know it for roundabouts. So. Yeah, most roundabouts <laughs> yeah. in the UK. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, interesting fact. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was a good sort of you know thirty so years ago, and unfortunately, it wasn't quite um, as as diverse as it is now. Mm. And and the primary school that I went to, um, I think there was myself and one 
two other you know mixed race students or black black students mm. and uh, that meant that there wasn't a great understanding um mm-hmm. both from the students but also the the, the staff mm-hmm. um and, and I did receive some racism, um, you know, racist language. My dad's black, his family's from Jamaica, and then my mum's side from Spain. Mm-hmm. My mum's white. And they would say some quite nasty things about my dad. And as a as a sort of nine or eight-year-old, I think when you're trying to belong, mm. it can really make you feel different. And, yeah. and we know at that age, like, that difference can make you feel vulnerable and, like, you don't belong. Mm-hmm. So that did affect my self-esteem, my confidence. Like, I remember being in tears quite often as a result of that experience and the school didn't handle it very well in fact when I was in tears you know my class teacher would say if you don't stop crying I'm going to put you in detention which is really it's a weird response really isn't it yeah and they just didn't handle the situation very well and then when I got to secondary school the experience sort of turned into like more sort of perceived difference where it was homophobic comments and it was you know about my sexuality mm. which I didn't understand myself then but because I was different that was a sort of classic response from mostly some of the boys that sort of toxic uh, masculinity mm. and uh, it really did impact me and and you know to the extent I think it made me not want to put my hand up in class made me find it difficult to sleep sometimes at night it affected my relationships at home in terms yeah. of my mum and my brothers uh so yeah it, it it really sort of stuck with me those that stuck with me that sort of pain mm. and 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 that 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 behavior that was targeted mm. towards me but this podcast it's about obviously going through those you know traumatic mm. experiences overcoming those hurdles and then turning into a positive seeing the next mm-hmm. opportunities and you basically did that didn't you mm. so tell us about the whole um when you were you know sixth form you just thought like enough enough yeah. is enough yeah, what yeah. was that the what was that moment was this like a switch that went off and just a, and you literally just like mm. i'm not taking this anymore or what was the whole process yeah yeah and it, i think it was partly the age that i found myself like you know i, I was a bit more i found my voice i felt mm. like i had a bit more agency and power because you always looked up to like the sixth form students and I was finally one of those yeah. but actually I did find this sort of confidence and bravery which I don't know where it came from um because I just gave myself a job so I just one day called myself student anti-bullying coordinator and um, my head teacher was I'm not sure where this <laughs> came from but and I've you know he he would say things like at the start you know we don't have bullying in this school which is just a silly thing mm-hmm. for any head teacher to say but that just actually gave me even more confidence to prove to him that we did. So uh, you might remember like form time or registration time at registers like would be like physical, like yeah. for computers. So you'd like actually write down. So I went and just put questionnaires in all of the all of the registers. And that meant that they presumed that the, the, all the form tutors that they needed to fill these in. So they gave them out. Then I had a thousand responses and my mum wasn't that happy because the living room was covered with like questionnaires. Brilliant. Brilliant. And she was like, what is all this? But it gave me like a real sense of like, okay, this is the scale of the problem. Yeah. And there were terrible things going on in, in our school, like real sort of unsafe uh, lessons mm. and practices uh, and people being intimidated. It, it, it was incredibly bad. And and then um, my head teacher made a sort of another mistake beyond just believing there wasn't any bullying. He said, "Okay, well, you know, come and talk to the governors about what you're what you're trying to do." Mm. He didn't know about the questionnaires, and in, I brought. He didn't ask me what I was going to present, which is another you should always say if you're right? invited. Yeah. Anyway, 
I just presented the results of the survey to the, to the, the government. The survey yes. said. <laughs> and, and they were, they were shocked. And, but actually, to his credit, he sort of really believed me and he actually trusted me mm. in the end. And he said, you know, this is, you know, you're, you're in charge. I'm going to let you think about what would make a difference. Um, what I landed on was the fact that, to your point earlier with the story, there's often times when, particularly at a young age, you are witnessing something that you're not... Mm comfortable with or that you know that's wrong but you don't know what to do so mm -hmm. my idea was like a peer-to-peer -peer program it was not good enough that actually we were just hearing from teachers and perhaps parents at home that bullying's wrong or you've got to be kind and respectful actually need to hear it from people our own age yeah so i came up with anti-bullying ambassadors it's young people who's got that job to stand up instead of standing by and mm -hmm. to learn how to protect themselves protect their peers and um we went into assemblies, we did sort of like patrols around the playground. We made it cool and fun mm -hmm. to have that responsibility and that duty. We had things like smile and compliment days, which, you know, just gave people the excuse to be nice to each other, which yeah. sometimes you just need and recognised that that power of, of, of kindness. And um, it really started to change the culture and people started to understand like what was acceptable, what wasn't acceptable. And yeah, it, it, it started to spread from there really, but it was all from that sort of initiative of knowing there was a problem and thinking about what the solution is. That's a really brave move though. I mean, you gotta give yourself credit for that mm. because for someone who has been bullied, and I know a lot of people can relate to this, so you feel very powerless yeah, that's and so true, you yeah. feel like- There's you, an imbalance of power. Yeah, there, absolutely. Yeah. And you're basically, giving people their voice back mm -hmm. and I think that's incredible but also it's quite a big risk to take mm, as well mm. because there could be huge backlash from that yeah. obviously it's worked out in your favor which is great <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> do you think there's any aspects of your childhood from being bullied that still affects you now yes yeah, so, you know great question actually one I also talked about to um your podcast guest uh Will Poulter yes our good friend. Yeah, yeah, our good friend. <laughs> because he, to my surprise, when he, when he told me this uh, a couple of years ago, he said he goes into auditions in Hollywood remembering the times, yeah, that he... Yeah, he said that's right, yeah. yeah. he experienced it. Uh, he experienced bullying, and it's just shocking that it stays with you. Um, and we all also know from other studies, so there was a really interesting study from King's College that looked at seven and 11-year-olds that had been bullied at school. And those seven and 11-year-olds were tracked all the way up to age 50, those 50-year-olds had poorer mental health, poorer job prospects. They lacked mm. the ability to trust adults in the workplace, all from that experience mm. at school. So I think maybe the older I get, the less nervous I feel about being my true self. Mm -hmm. But I absolutely do think that when I started a new job, I wasn't sure about owning my sexuality, you know, mm -hmm. being open. Mm -hmm. Because of the way I was treated at school, I wasn't sure if it was safe for me. Mm. So that experience definitely stays with you. I think that yeah. judgment uh, and that baggage. Um, and I think you, you can all suddenly, all of us can remember yeah. those horrible incidents at school, you know, where, where, where you were, who did it. You know, yeah. I think uh, sometimes that I, I say to, to children now, that I do assemblies too, is you don't want to be the person that years and years after everyone's left school, you're still remembered as yeah. the person that, that, that can be named first and last name that made other people's time at school unpleasant. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's just, I think, how powerful those memories of, of school are. So, yeah, I think it can still affect your confidence. Mm. It can affect your ability to trust adults, be yourself, embrace 
change and you know difference and i think for some people sadly like the, the way they were treated at school has stopped their progression in life in so many ways and mm. personal relationships professional relationships uh and that and that and that's re- really sad i think it can really affect your confidence and your self-esteem where do you think bullying stems from do mm. you think it stems from you know the home environment mm-hmm. um how that person's been raised the fact that maybe they're going through something and they're using bullying as a way of expressing or not expressing what they're going through mm. like why does bullying still exist and not yeah. just even in high, like primary school or high school we're seeing it in the workforce mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. seeing it in the army do you know what i mean mm-hmm. we're seeing it in sports mm-hmm. so why why is bullying here what why do you think what yeah. do you think it stems from i know it's a big, it's question. A big question yeah i think i think unfortunately where there is a bit of fear or lack of understanding of difference mm-hmm. or where we feel intimidated or you know that power struggle that mm. you that you you talked about um that can be jealousy mm-hmm. that's when sometimes we dis- display negative behavior because we're feeling threatened ourselves, mm. and we're trying to compensate for that or yeah. you know we're trying to mask some of our own vulnerabilities mm-hmm. and i think particularly with children young people it can be that that there's a bit of jealousy or a bit of fear about that person who is able to be different for whatever yeah. situation um or, or reason or you just don't quite understand that i think we still find it hard to celebrate uh, difference and mm. embrace it so i think that's part of it uh, you know, unfortunately, in terms of that sort of, sort of sort of jealousy and fear for children and young people, I think also it, if if in a setting there's a culture where you're allowed to get away with that sort of behavior, then it thrives. Mm. And I think that's the same in workplaces. Mm. If you if you see um, bullying occurring and it's there's no consequences, then you know as humans, sadly, I think we're we're, we're sort of trying to climb climb the ladder. We're trying mm. to su- survive and you know be the best we can. And unfortunately, that sort of culture's where it's not challenged then it just gets worse but i see the other end where actually schools that have a really strong policy and that's backed up by student uh, intervention and peer-to-peer programs that's when you see actually you can make a real difference mm. in bullying you can you can reduce the incidence because i think what we know is that unkindness is going to happen in lots of walks of life and you know but actually it's about helping young people make sure they don't make the same mistake twice because bullying is not a one-off incident mm. to your point earlier it's about someone going out of their way to be unpleasant and unkind and, and and really make someone's life miserable so so do you suggest actually talking to the bully as well yeah and you you, you said earlier that actually they often we do find with children and young people that there's a bigger bully at home mm. or there's not the best and um, perhaps role modeling sometimes and that, that could be as simple as like if you're sitting at home with mum or dad and they judge people on the television mm. you know they make comments you know they make negative remarks about something that they read or someone they see in the street mm. are you learning that that behavior so that sometimes can fuel yeah. uh, the experience or it might be that they're not getting the attention or they're not being treated correctly like there could be neglect at home mm. so that is that is something and i think you do learn from your environment you do your parents are naturally sort of, uh, or your guidelines are role models and, and, you, and you copy their behavior. So mm. I think that can also play into it. And sometimes those that have been bullied in the past mm. or are currently having difficulties at home or or just in, you know, even if they're struggling at school, uh, you can take it out on, mm. on, on, on others. It's a, it's, it's a way to, to kind of feel better about yourself and let out some of that anger. Uh, but it might be a sign that actually, yeah, to your point, that mm. person 
who's displaying the bullying behaviour probably need some help themselves mm. uh, and, and need some attention in that sense. And I think also as well, do you, do you agree that like we should be able to educate people on how to spot what bullying looks like? Mm, because mm. I feel sometimes yeah. with bullying, it's like, oh, it's not bullying, it's just a bit of banter. Yeah, do you so know what true. I mean? Yeah. Use an excuse. Excuse. Yeah. And I almost feel like we don't see the severity of it until the worst case scenario mm. when someone may take their own life or harm mm. them and then it's only then we start to look mm. and be like oh okay we'll make steps to change our policy yeah. at school and I'm yeah, just like yeah. why do we have to wait until someone mm-hmm. horrifically takes their own life because they feel like they've got no support mm-hmm. before change has to be made um, and with bullying I think because there's so many different types of bullying mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. I think sometimes the school would just don't have the resources support the guidance yeah. to be able to say to their pupils like there's all different forms of bullying mm-hmm. and this is what you should be looking out for and being upstander so if you see this yeah. happening like have an anti-bullying ambassador mm-hmm. i think that's a brilliant idea mm. yeah absolutely i think yeah there's a lot of things that we're taught at school but to your point like we're not necessarily taught about uh, how to treat treat others mm. um and i think from a young age you do need to be taught about what bullying looks like yeah. what it sounds like particularly with sort of technology like the different different types that you, that you may face and importantly I suppose with some of these things how you find the inner strength for the resilience to cope with or deal with some of mm. these things so like it's important that actually uh, young people are taught about what they might see how they might react who they can speak to and yeah how they can make sure they don't become engaged in bullying behavior mm-hmm. but it's a lesson that's missing really but it's a really important lesson it's why we with our anti-bullying ambassador program we we, we train staff we train students we provide them with resources mm. lots on our website actually for free that schools can can pick up um but yeah i think it is really important to to, to drive home that message and particularly at school where you spend so much of your time mm. yeah. do you think social media has had an impact mm. on the rise of bullying yeah and this is a really interesting question i get and i get it a, a lot and i struggle a little bit with blaming social media mm-hmm. a lot because I think it's sometimes used by politicians to say, well, we're not going to invest in offline solutions or mental health, or, you know, we're just going to blame technology. It's not, you know, whereas actually racism exists (laughs) offline. Yeah. (laughs) As well as we may see it online as well. We may see, you know, interactions that are, um, you know, racist remarks online, but actually, yeah, it's a real problem in Mm. society. And I think sometimes for a number of different harms as well, it's easier for politicians to say, you know, we need to sort out the tech companies where actually all these behaviours that we see online mm. have existed long before technology yeah. came along. And or even the sense of maybe around mental health, like we've, it definitely it's exacerbated it, but in the sense that we used to compare, when we were at school, maybe we'd compare who, who had the best trainers or yeah. shoes, but no, you know, now it's like, Instagram is like your best, best bits, it highlights, you only yeah. show the best, so it's easier to compare. But what we know about, particularly with children and young people with bullying, is actually the internet creates very few new victims of, of cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. So actually for young people that have faced online bullying, it's in something like 75% of those cases, it started offline mm-hmm. and from a familiar peer-to-peer, face-to-face relationship. Mm-hmm. So I think it just goes to show you the importance of children and young people. It's very rare for them to probably be bullied by a stranger because mm-hmm. it's part of the network who they're connected Got by you. online. It usually starts like, sort of like drama in the playground and then becomes digital. Um, it's very rare that it's like the other way around. It's mm-hmm. like, or that it's only online bullying. So 
I think we know a lot that actually for the majority of young people, they face um, harm in their school. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes me frustrated with politicians as well, because you can't talk about how we've got to sort out the internet when you haven't even sorted out schools yet, which right. could be, perhaps you could have more success at because it's yeah. easier to control than maybe the internet. Yeah. So I think it's got to be like both, but access to young people, you know, is, is that that's increased. Like if you if you wanted to bully someone as as a child in school, then you know not only can you now target them at school. Obviously, you can target them in their bedroom. You know, yeah. when they leave the school gates. So in that sense, I suppose it's a it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. But we don't have like research suggests like bullying online bullying is going up and up and up. It's pretty consistent, and it's okay. um, something that's usually attached to an experience that's also happening offline in person for children. I think it's probably different for adults actually yeah. because. Adults have like wider networks and maybe more exposed to to opportunities. It's not so closed, but uh, yeah, I, I I'm really cautious not to like blame everything on technology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's an in- interesting question mm. for you: How would you feel, and what would you do if the person who bullied you when you're at school mm-hmm. contacted you today and said that their child was being bullied and they needed mm. some advice? Yeah, well, it's happened. That's, that's, that's no way. Happened. Yeah. Really? For me, I can draw a line on the fact that as children, we're different and we make mistakes. And also, I think I, I would have a problem with that person if they were still... Yeah, the same, still, yeah. bullying. Yeah. And I think maybe that's something, you know, I'm not I'm not a massive fan of, like, cancel culture in the sense yeah. that... But particularly if, like, if you had a certain view when you were a child, as long as, you don't, as, long as you've had that growth yeah. and you're not... Even if you even if you were racist or homophobic, I can think well you've had that growth and you changed. Mm. I think so. It has happened, and I've just I've been very helpful. You know, I'd reacted in the same way I'd want if it was my child. I think mm-hmm. that that was getting that was getting bullied, and sometimes we've had chats about you know they've acknowledged that they didn't they did have difficulties at school okay. or at home or they struggled academically or the culture was just really toxic. I think with my year group it was just very toxic mm. and there wasn't really any interventions that helped us act differently um, or, or it, you know, bullying wasn't dealt with effectively. So yeah, I think you'd have to forgive mm-hmm. um, and forget some some of that and just be the bigger person really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very diplomatic answer. Yeah, I think so. What, what would you, what would, what would I do? Yeah. Not what you've done. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. no 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 yeah. I don't know it's a it's a complex one yeah. isn't it because for change to happen you also feel like you have to be that change mm-hmm. don't you mm-hmm. so you want to be able to show somebody that you know the errors of their way yeah. um, and obviously be that beacon of, beacon of change mm. if you can but at the same time going back to what we said previously there's parts of that childhood that will always stick with you when you've been bullied. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that's not going to go overnight. And sometimes just seeing that person again oh, could yeah, be a trigger. trigger yeah. And so I think it, it depends mm-hmm. as well. I don't want to say like the severity of bullying because I don't think that's applicable anyway. Um, bullying is bullying. But I don't know. I feel like it's a really difficult one. <sighs> On one hand, I'll be almost, not flattered, but it's kind of reassurance, reassurance like what you're doing is mm. needed and right. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But at the same time, I can't, there's sometimes maybe you wish that what you had to do, you didn't have to do, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think, yeah, I wish that I didn't have to go through this experience to have had the success mm. that I've had in this field. Yeah, definitely. But uh, you're right, you have to kind of reflect on it. And, and I suppose it takes a lot of processing yeah. to get to that point of being comfortable with like that was what happened. But yeah. now I've 
moved on. It's not easy. It's yet. not easy. So what advice would you give to a parent who is worried about their child? Mm. Maybe they are thinking their child is struggling at school. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's bullying, but the child is maybe reluctant to tell mm. them. What can parents do? Because as a parent, mm. you want to fix the situation. Mm. You want to protect your babies. Yeah. And sometimes that overwhelming love and need to protect them mm. can be very suffocating for yeah. the person who's who's who is being bullied. So what could we do as parents to kind of help support our children? Yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's, it's a really difficult one because you probably have so many emotions. Yeah, when, when, when you when you hear that there's this harm uh, taking place, and I think the first thing you do is really listen. Yeah, because sometimes. If you don't listen, then you are in the child's mind going to make make the problem worse. Yeah. And I think a lot of the the factors around the child not speaking out is not necessarily because they don't have a good relationship with you, mm. is but but because they're worried that when they speak out, mum or dad are going to be so angry that they're going to make the situation worse, mm. and then it's going to just make their time at school even worse. Whereas actually, you want to listen to your child and you want to help them know that you're there together to solve mm-hmm. the problem and i think often it's that question of like what can we do together to solve this yeah. or what would you like me to do to help you because it just helps you as a child think okay i've got options mm. and that like mum or dad's not going to take this and not involve me in the solution actually we can talk about this together and often when you worry about things as a child maybe it's on your mind every 10 minutes but you don't properly address it and this Mm. is like allowing the space to to reflect on it together so i think yeah don't take over the problem give them some of that sense of control and ownership of it Mm -hmm. um decide what to do together the next steps i think is really really important yeah and also maybe you know sometimes uh when there's an issue going on it can dominate your um you can be really preoccupied as a parent and Mm. you just concentrate on that whereas actually you need to remind them of all the things that are going well in their life and their strengths and you need to continue to have like a routine because if you just be like okay thanks for telling me and then you're in the kitchen on the phone (laughs) to other parents or you just you just think oh this is taken over whereas actually there's you want to remind the child there's lots of things that they're really good at um and and get them you know socializing hopefully or or doing some of the activities that they they enjoy i think that's important and maybe the other thing particularly with school-based bullying um if it is between pupils whether that's at school or even online Mm. digitally then the government does say that schools have a duty of care to deal with those Mm -hmm. um, issues even if they're online issues uh, and that they can put consequences for online bullying as well um but i think you have to respect the fact that schools are really busy places mm. and like often you want to let the school know and you expect something to be done just like that but yeah. you know you can't you you can't i suppose because that member of staff might be teaching they've got to investigate that you know they've only just become aware of the situation so i think give the school the time to address it mm-hmm. uh in the meantime find out about the school's policy which should be on the website and you can read it you can understand the steps that the school say they will take uh, and then work with the school mm-hmm. you know the worst thing you could do is sort of um be really against the school because they probably they probably are hearing this for the first time yeah. and they're probably not aware and they want to work with you to address it uh, and maybe the last tip is try not to uh approach the parents of the person doing the bullying. I was going to ask. I was going to ask <laughs> yeah. that one. Because, because I think unless you are good friends, even when you are good friends, you have to handle it delicately because yeah. you, we don't know all the facts. 
And the worst thing I think you could do is like message social media messages on like the person, the, yeah. the, the, the parents, and saying like, "This is what you're trying to out yeah. them on social yeah, media." Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think you've got to you've got to think think about that. And maybe the best way is through, through the school, um, unless unless you're part of you know a, a, a sort of friendship group where you can probably feel like you know this person quite well and that they're going to handle it sensitively. Mm. But you don't want to blame the person doing the behavior. And we even try actually not to use the word bully because it's it's probably a worse label than yeah. being bullied like that. It, it sticks really, yeah. doesn't it? Like that. Like, so actually we try and say, oh, it's bullying behavior mm-hmm. uh, because it's behavior that the child's displaying Got you. and it's behavior that they can change. So Got, it's yeah. about kind of empowering the fact that you know, this is an opportunity for them to change. Yeah. And the schools that deal with it best are probably the ones that sort of say, look to the child, we know the behavior you're displaying if you don't change it then something serious is going to happen but then it's not about that person being sort of labeled as a, as a bully which yeah. is something that kind of follows you for the rest of your schooling life and, and you know what? It's, it's i've never really thought about it like that because when i think back to my childhood mm. and i think about how we've just given people these labels like the sporty one oh, yeah, so true, or yeah. the academic mm. one or the bully mm. literally your brain goes to that mm-hmm. person and mm. they could be a saint now but in my head i'm thinking that was the bully yeah that was the bully. They're so true, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it sticks like that yeah and and yeah we're trying trying not to use it in the same way we try not to use the word victim as well because mm. it, that label again like you, you, you kind of maybe feel stuck as a victim yeah. and, you, it, and, and, and you perhaps start to act that way whereas actually it's not that empowering as a label yeah. so I think words matter as yeah. we know when it comes to behaviour so we're really careful with those choices I've got some closing questions for okay, you yeah. and this one is quite you, mm. you're going to think that I stole this one from your TED talk and I didn't <laughs> I actually okay. started using this question and then listened to your TED talk and then I was like damn it mm-hmm. he said it on his TED talk but one of my favourite questions mm. is um what advice would you give to your younger self? Mm-hmm. So we're going to flip it and mm. I'm going to ask you, what would your younger self say to you right now? Do you know, I think I might say, because when I, the, the look I get, maybe I lose a little bit of the braveness or the boldness. And mm. I think that's, you know, that youthful optimism is something I want to hold on to. And I think my younger self might say to me, actually, your greatest achievements are still to come. Ooh. Just in the sense that, yeah, like you have come a long way it's definitely compared to like the nine-year-old Alex that was maybe not sure about being mm-hmm. himself um but you still got a lot to lot to achieve and a lot to do and you're still going to make a big difference because I think the older you get sometimes you can become a little bit less excited about mm-hmm. what you've got to give yeah. or what you know or perhaps things feel harder but uh I think yeah my younger self would definitely be proud the fact that you know I'm gay and you know i wasn't i wasn't open about my mm. sexuality back then um and that i'm owning those differences and yeah trying to be visible um certainly in, in, in work i really talk about who, who i am and why but yeah probably that it's just the beginning yes and i'm excited <laughs> so, yeah. i'm excited for yeah, you yeah, yeah. and my last question mm. is um obviously the podcast is about you know facing adversity turning those no's mm. into next opportunities and for me I'm I love having these conversations with people too it's it, it's inspiring mm. but also I love the the whole art of having a conversation with somebody mm. and taking you know getting a little snippet of their life mm. and I think you can learn from each other mm-hmm. as well by listening to people's stories so 
I would like you to think of someone who you think will be a great mm -hmm. person to come onto this podcast, but mm -hmm. I don't want you to tell anybody their mm -hmm. name. I just want you to have a little think about who you think will be great to come and share their stories mm. um, and why you've chosen that person. Mm -hmm. You can say their gender, you mm -hmm. can say their background, but just don't say their name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can't have Will Porter, he's already <laughs> been on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, this, this, this guy, yeah, he's... Some, in some sense, it reminds me of like just how much passion I had at his age and mm -hmm. um, really focuses on a place that you spend so much of your time, like more, but more like the home mm. and like how important that is. And has overcome quite a lot okay. of adversity um, and is now taking his message to America. And yeah, yeah. So I think uh, I, I, I'm going to go with this, this guy. Okay, well, tell me afterwards. Yeah. And we'll make it happen. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think that every school should have an anti-bullying ambassador. I think you're in 3,000, over 3,000 schools? It's nearly 5,000 now. Wow, yeah, so okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, like a younger self said to you, there's still more to come. Definitely, so we yeah. should definitely get, every school should have this. Thank you for the work that you do. Um, and thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you for the work you're doing and, and for, for the podcast. And yeah, I look forward to following uh, the journey of the podcast and all that you're doing to make the world a better place. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> <laughs>